I think the hardest part of entrepreneurship is the mental aspect of it because you have to come up with a product or service that provides value, but then also convince someone and sell that to them. Hello and welcome to the Solar Maverick podcast where solar meets entrepreneurship and experience. I'm your host, Benoit Thanjan. And I'm your co-host, Lee Wang. So let's get into it, Lee. All right. So rough week this week for my Eagles. It was one of the worst games I've seen in a while. So I'm not feeling too great about the season, but neither are you probably. So, But hey, you guys won a Super Bowl yeah. last year, so it was unfortunate that yeah. they did lose to the Cowboys. And <laughs> I'm happy that the Giants beat the 49ers. Right, so. exactly. <laughs> this new guy Mullins, though. Yeah, he looks good. Yeah. So this episode, let's talk about entrepreneurship. I know it's a very broad topic, but I think you know a lot of people listening out there will benefit from hearing your story. So, and your story as well. Uh, yeah, thanks. We're both uh, in it for ourselves here. And our uh, customers. Yeah, clients. exactly. <laughs> and everyone else, and our families. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Benoit, basic question. Why did you want to become an entrepreneur? What led you there? Sure. I think for me, I always wanted to kind of control my own destiny. And I felt like entrepreneurship is the way to get there. And also, as an entrepreneur, you know, if you're successful, you have the opportunity of making a lot more money than you would working for someone else. So for me, another priority that I put in my life is financial independence. I don't want to be my destiny controlled by other people. So and then I love creating and coming up with unique solutions. And I think I feel like I just don't have one skill set. I have many different skill sets. And when you work for a corporation, you tend to just really focus on one thing. So I thought it's just kind of a natural progression to be an entrepreneur. Was there any moment that you have a revelation that, that said, hey, this is it? Was there an action or an impetus or something that said, okay, tomorrow I'm doing it by myself? I know I mentioned this in a previous podcast, but I was working at Solar City at the time and I had a side hustle of yeah. Renew Energy for two or three years. And I felt like I should start it at that certain time. And that certain time was six and a half years ago. So it was pretty exciting to kind of start it. And that's how my sort of journey started. Can you talk about your like experience? Like, yeah, actually. What, this is actually a two-way conversation <laughs> with Lee and I. I, for a long time, thought I was going to be a newspaper reporter for my whole life. It was back in the day. I actually started a newspaper reporting during the summer of the OJ trial. So wow. I, was, I was really excited by the news cycle at the time. It was, you know, very sensational tabloid. It was the Philadelphia Daily News, kind of like the New York Post and Daily News with a tabloid, meaning that they the style was more sensational, big headlines, big covers. Uh, it was a lot of fun. But as most people know, the print and newspaper industry pretty much died and it is dead, right? So... Um, no longer did they have huge revenues coming in from three-page automobile dealership spreads. It was just, thanks, Al Gore, you know, the internet, you know, <laughs> thanks for inventing the internet, you know, and, and that killed us. Uh, so that's actually where the seed was planted for my entrepreneurship. I knew I had to do something. My life plans were derailed. I wanted to be in the news industry, but it just, the whole media scenario is getting diluted News is fake news, whatever. It's everywhere. You know, people get most of their news from social media now. So I applied the same principle of storytelling, of being able to do reporting to content marketing. And that's what led me to start my, new, my own business. But actually, the real reason 
I was forced into starting my new business because I was laid off from a job I had doing more in-house marketing for a hospitality company. Yeah. It was an eye-opener. So, But right away, I didn't pout. They had some cuts. And actually, one of the uh, the company owner's uh, endeavors that I was supposed to take over failed. It was a uh, app that was supposed to be training athletes virtually with a bunch of athletes. It just didn't take off. So sure. a large chunk of my work wasn't needed anymore. And I just started calling people and started working. I had my fir- I remember I got my first check. It was only $600 for uh, <laughs> a retainer, but it was something. And that's another thing that I want to press upon budding entrepreneurs is you got to get something, right? You got to get some momentum, something in the door. And actually seeing that check, you know, it wasn't even an electronic payment. It was an actual check. It was from a photographer who wanted marketing help. And uh, she's a really successful photographer, but she just couldn't do it all herself. And that really inspired me, just seeing that I could actually talk to someone and have them pay me to do something. And that was a start. And I learned a lot from working for other people. That's another thing. If you are not on your own right now, absorb as much as you can while you're at these companies. Learn, listen in, take extra opportunities to meet people, listen in on if there's subcommittees within your work that you can join maybe there's new business development learn other skills if your company offers an educational credit take it use it ask for more i'll bet most of the people companies that offer educational credits it's underused take that extra night class take that weekend seminar i actually got the company to pay for an entire trip to south by southwest so the technology fair i got to go to austin and learn a lot but that's part of the growth and absorb as much as you can so you can apply these teachings, how to invoice, how to deal with clients to your own business when you when you go out and start. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, before I started my own business, I worked at a few solar companies in, in the energy industry, I think, on someone else's dime. And I think that was another thing, too, that wanted me to start my own business is when you leave a company, they still kind of keep everything that you created. Right. So that was an important thing with having your own business. You get to see the fruits of your labor financially, meaning. And then I think the other thing that you mentioned that was a great point is one of the good things is having prior experience is basically the network of people that you meet that you could bring into your own client base today when you have your own company. So like I have people that I've worked with in the past at prior companies that I work with. That's a huge opportunity as well, which makes the transition and learning while you're working at a company makes it easier to start a business. Not that it's easy, but easier. Speaking of that, one of your questions, we we do prep for this show, actually. (laughs) So one of your questions was, is entrepreneurship for everyone? And I'm going to flip that question a little bit and say, are there certain people shouldn't take on entrepreneurship? Is there a certain personality type? I'm going to flip that into the negative. Well, first of all, I don't think entrepreneurship is for everyone. Mm-hmm. I think the hardest part of entrepreneurship is the mental aspect of it, because you have to come up with a product or service that provides value, but then also convince someone and sell that to them, which is the hardest part of the whole thing. I pretty much came from a finance background. I really right. didn't come from a sales background. And it's interesting because I've seen people who have had similar companies that I actually think are probably book smarter than me, but they haven't been able to kind of sell 
their products or services. So, well, one thing I know about you, Benoit, I've known you quite a long time now. That's crazy. Um, time flies by. Yeah, but you're very sociable. Yes. Meaning that you're outgoing, you're willing to talk to people, you're willing to get to know people. I think that's an important trait. If Definitely. you're shy or don't like to just mix it up with people in conversations with new people, then that may not be a good trait to have for entrepreneurship because you have to be willing. We kind of talked about this while we had lunch, but you have to be willing to try new things, put yourself in situations, put yourself in place for possibilities by interacting with strangers and really being social because the fact is you have to be heard. You have to cast your voice out there uh, for people to know you. You have to be, you know, networking is kind of the catch-all, but if you can really honestly network and develop the true sense of that word where, where you're actually developing networks, right? Not just, oh, I went to an event and I collected some business cards, right? That A lot of people do that. Then they do nothing with the business cards. If you're actually networking and being out there and being social, that is going to be a good trait as an entrepreneur. Definitely. And it's about continuing to network and building relationships with those people over time. Because as you said, it's really the quality of the relationships that you build. And so going back to your point, yes, you have to be extroverted in a sense to have a successful business, I feel like, you know, because you're always going to be presenting and you're always going to be selling. And yeah, I think that's a good point. And also, you know, entrepreneurship too is a seven day a week job. I mean, even if I'm not working, I'm actively thinking about the business. So whereas in a job, once the job's over, people are not really thinking about it. And then it's also how comfortable you are with stability. I mean, you're not going to have a steady paycheck or a biweekly paycheck. It's a different... Yeah, uh, that, that's an important thing. People that have a lot of fears around not collecting a steady paycheck or safety net, they're not going to do well in entrepreneurship because it's not a secure thing. I mean, one of the best things I remember... I had a business partner at one point. His name is Michael. And, you know, we're, I was kind of upset because we had lost some money on a deal. And he just said, you know, Lee, don't worry about it. Money is a renewable resource. And I kind of <laughs> always remember that because it is true. You it have true. to have that mindset where it's like, okay, I can turn around and sell something tomorrow or within an hour. And you have to have that confidence. And the way you have that confidence is what you said, being able to offer a service or product of value that you truly believe in and can deliver on. And that's one thing I'm jumping a little ahead right now, but we talked a lot about finding good support and help. We had lunch before our podcast taping and we kind of hammer out ideas, but I hired this guy, Corey Kohler and I'll plug him. He's a AdWords expert and he's so good that I can sell our services with a lot of confidence, right? I know no matter how much I may be charging, that Corey is going to help me deliver. And also that I don't have to worry about it. He's he's a proven skill set. I add him to my team. And I think that's also an important lesson is like entrepreneurship. You don't have to do it completely alone. With uh, this day and age with freelance networkers, you can get some skills help, even down to basic admin levels. A lot of great tools. We'll get into that. Actually, Benoit, what are some great tools you use. I wanted to ask you about that because I, sure. I, I use 
you know, first of all, I love Squarespace, right? I helped build your site on Squarespace. It's it's a great web design MJ platform. Wang yeah. Marketing, yeah. <laughs> Lee Wang. <laughs> MJWangMedia.com. Sorry, MJWangMedia.com. Yeah. But it's, it, it really is an excellent tool. It helps make websites easier. And what I tell people is it's a platform that allows business owners to spend more time working on their business than working on their websites, right? That's It's quite simply like that. I use uh, MailChimp for my email marketing. I think you do too. It's just we simple to use. Yeah. And uh, also, I, I really like Square, which is an invoicing sure. bill collection system, which is really easy. There's point of sale, and it's, it's just really easy to use. So these are some of the apps I use. Yeah, no, I definitely think they're great. I mean, I remember when we transitioned from WordPress to Squarespace, and I was just surprised how easy it was meaning the Renew Energy Company website. And then pretty much we're using Google, Gmail, Calendar. Um, Google Suite is fantastic. Basically, we use the Google yeah. Suite. Then we use Apple for our hardware. Google Docs, like the sharing of Docs yeah. is really great when we're collaborating. And what do you use for your scheduling tool? Google Calendar. But then also, I know you've seen that I've started using yeah. Calendly, okay. which is a way of not having like the back and forth of looking right. at your calendar where people that you want to set up an appointment can basically directly look at your calendar to set up a meeting, which actually ends up saving time. For CRM, I actually use HubSpot. Right. We've used Zoho and Salesforce, but I think for what we do, actually most of our business comes through referrals, but right. for our CRM, I think it's pretty convenient and easy and simpler to use. Do you want to just talk a little bit about CRM for those who aren't familiar with Sure, what I apologize. Is? So CRM is customer relationship management. So basically it's a tool that helps you engage with your prospects who then become clients and you basically could schedule emails and meetings and calls and it basically creates sort of... Um, a way of figuring out how to engage your clients. So. Yeah. And a big part of using a good CRM is automation, kind of what Benoit alluded to there. You can schedule emails that go out. Automation, really good automation, where it looks like you're sending personal messages out to your prospects is key because it just saves you a lot of time and it keeps on top of contact with, with all your touch points. So it's, it's, it's very powerful. And it's, you know, it takes some work to set up, but once it's in place, it really helps. Yeah, and any way to basically automate processes, we're definitely always looking at it. And then as you mentioned, um, this is not necessarily applications, but there's Upwork.com or Fiverr. So we'll yep. use people to proofread yeah, documents. Benoit's logo, which I think is fantastic. Oh yeah, I forgot about was that. Was designed, was it 99 designs? Yeah, 99 designs for for two ninety nine, I did a whole and our business cards as well. Two hundred ninety nine dollars. Two hundred ninety nine dollars okay. to create the logo, and then additional was our business cards as well. Was so it's a through. crowdsourcing. A crowdsourcing of graphic designers right. who basically bid to win the work, and it it makes it a better process. And then you right. basically provide like opinions and recommendations, and then they make changes, and then you choose. And then whoever basically you choose, they end up actually getting the money that you paid. And obviously 99 Designs gets a part of that as well. Well, I also wanted to touch upon, I use a lot of project management tools. It may or may not be for everyone. It depends on how big your team is. But I've tried them all. I've tried Trello. I've tried Basecamp. But the one I'm sticking to now is called Asana. And the reason I like Asana is because of one main feature. It has a very clear assign to button. So it's very clear whose responsibility it is sure. to advance the project to the next step. 
And if, if you're not familiar with project management tools, in general, these are great ways to organize your tasks and it cuts down a lot of extra emails. So say Benoit and I have a project email newsletter. We will create a card in this project management system. We'll both be assigned to it. And then we can put the graphics in there. We can put the text in there. It's all in one place and we can give each other direction. And it's really helpful when, if you're working with a graphic designer or another skill position player, football analogy, that's how I think of it. Right? <laughs> so if you're working with a skill position player, like a developer, photographer, writer, they can all collaborate on the same platform. And it's great. Also, you know, one thing I love now, it's an international economy. So I work with a designer in Romania. I work with developers in India, of course. <laughs> and it makes it great because, you know, time differences kind of null nullify. We all join together in this project management system. And uh, most of them are free to try out. So another great tool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely is great to know. But no, are business plans important? You know, a lot of people that go to traditional business schools will put a lot of emphasis on business plans. And people can spend a lot of money and time writing them. Have they been helpful to you? Do you use them? So I know they always say to have a business plan before you start the business. I really actually didn't have a business plan. I mean, everything was pretty much in my mind. And then over time, basically, I keep adjusting and adapting the business model or pivoting. So even if you have a plan and are planning things way out in the future, once you start having a business, there's a lot of testing. Right. of different services that you could offer in our case, and then seeing how the market receives that and then adapting and adjusting your mention. I mean, there's um, the startup method by, I think it's Steve Blank. Mm -hmm. And I think they talk about the same thing where you kind of come up with a high level plan and then you test it, then you make adjustments and then you figure out basically ways of coming up with value yeah. that your customers or your potential customers will pay for. Speaking of books, what are some essential books for entrepreneurs that you've read? It's interesting. I haven't actually read a particular book that I thought was important for entrepreneurship. I think for me, at least, I come from a financial background and not actively in sales. So I feel like sales type books have been the most helpful. Mm -hmm. And I've read a lot of different sales book. Uh, one I could think of is like Grant Cardone, 10X Your Life. And those have been more helpful for me from the sales perspective and learning how to sell. Not that we actually actively sell, it's more of an education right. and providing information. And then, yeah, so that's kind of how it's been. What about for you, Lee? I mean, well, you what, know, it's interesting yeah. actually to go back. It sounds like you were very excited to get that first check of $600 yeah. and that someone would pay for you. So that is really like a sales transaction, which it didn't seem like in your prior experience you had yeah. experience doing. So why, um, can you talk about like, how you sell your business and yeah. your products or well, services. Sorry. The number one sales principle that I adhere to is very basic. It's listening. Yes. Right. And, th and that learning how to listen is tough because I'm a, you and I both are talkers. So, and that's why we have a <laughs> podcast, right? So it's easy to get in the trap of hearing yourself speak and you're eager to prove your experience and knowledge. But the most important thing is listening and then comprehension and being able to process what your prospect is telling you and listening, absorbing and offering them a potential solution to whatever is the problem that needs to be solved. So I think that's one of the biggest points in sales that I, I've been able to is like 
people really respect when you've heard what they say, maybe even repeating some of the sure. details that they provided for you. Also improving upon what they have, right? So taking their idea, not alienating them by completely giving a completely different, you know, 180 idea from what they're presenting, but being able to take what they have as source material and then really you know, leveraging that to come up with, you know, I'm, I'm following all these business cliches like leveraging and added value, but, but being <laughs> able to do that is key. I, I have to rethink those words because I hate, you know, using business cliche. For example, there was a woman today who she has an expertise in helping people with financial planning and legal matters with when they have loved ones who are suffering from Alzheimer's dementia. We looked at the marketplace and we came up with a plan where we were going to create an interactive ebook for her. But that was my idea, right? Not that it was the you know most brilliant idea there ever was, but something she hadn't thought of. But I had researched the marketplace and I showed her examples. Always be concrete too. Be able to show examples of success. That That's important. And then really just setting expectations and delivering on what you promise, right? You have to deliver on what you promise and set expectations so you can deliver, right? So, and it's always better to set the expectations a little lower so you can over deliver. So I think these are important principles, but also one tactic that I like is a lot of people send out a bunch of proposals and they're, you know, they're bugging people. Have you heard? Have you, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's tough. One practical tactic I like to do is instead of just emailing the proposal, I'll set a time to present the proposal and walk them through it. So I think that that helps me save a lot of time. Obviously, sometimes you do have to email that proposal, but as much as possible, I like to have that conversation with them. Those are all great points. I mean, I have nothing more to say about that. You kind of covered what it's all about when it comes to sales and Everyone has different strategies, but I think we have a very similar yeah. mindset on that. And another uh, expression I've heard is the fortune is in the follow-up. And I think that's very true. I mean, it, how to follow up without being annoying, annoying quite frankly, yes. right? You can't <laughs> just say, hey, have you done this? You know, put the onus on them. Yeah. Provide a reason for your follow-up, right? I saw an article, thought of you. Give it context, give it value, right? Your follow-up. And I think that's important. And also just knowing how to pace your follow-up. I think that that's important. But do follow-up. There's no one. I would mention my AdWords guy, Corey. I had been interviewing a bunch of people. And, and some people were just like, we're fine. But they didn't they didn't follow up with me. So it, to me, it seemed like they didn't even care. I have limited time. I'm not going to follow up with oh, them. Yeah. Right? So people appreciate the follow-up. And you just be respectful, right? Yeah, that's interesting you mentioned that. Because I'm surprised with how many people don't follow up. In right. general, just right. on general. Like, yeah. And yeah, even when we interview candidates mm -hmm. for jobs here, people haven't read like what we have on the website. These are just like yeah. basic things that the average person's not yeah. doing. And if you just do more than the average person, yeah. you'll get more results, obviously. And I think, right. too, um, you mentioned about Corey, right? right? Who I think that's another good point as being an entrepreneur. And you mentioned this as well you only have a very limited time. So you really have to kind of focus on generating revenue and adding value to your clients. And if there's an opportunity where you could find a resource, that really helps you with your business because you're able to then spend time more on the strategy of the business than some other Yeah, some totally. Other I mean, stuff. Corey, again, is a great example. He's someone that cost me as a bigger expense but it was well worth it because I had been fumbling around with 
people who are cost less, but I couldn't sell it with confidence because sure. they, they were okay. You're good. Yeah, definitely. McCorry is excellent, right? Sure. And that's that's a world of difference. He runs the reports. He, he sets the pace with the accounts. And I just check in with him, right? Yeah, and, and make sure like I make sure he's happy, right, at this point, <laughs> which is a great position to be in. So let's shift gears a little bit. You know, being an entrepreneur, like you said, is the twenty four seven job, even probably you're dreaming about it, right? Even when you're Definitely. sleeping. Um, <laughs> that requires a lot of energy and effort. And one thing that I've heard over and over again is, you know, a lot of people say they don't have time for things, but which is really a a misnomer because saying that you don't have time for something, it just means that you're not prioritizing it is what I've, I've been hearing from a lot of great entrepreneurial minds, right? So it's a matter of prioritizing tasks. But no, what are some of your daily habits that you have enacted for yourself to help you keep up the energy, prioritize tasks and, and get ahead? We all have the same amount of time, obviously, 24 hours. So actually the night before I go to sleep, I actually prioritize what I need to get done for the next day so that when I wake up in the morning, I feel like I'm ahead. And then it also gives me clarity of thought as well. And then what I do is actually, I basically say, what are the two or three things that I have to get done tomorrow? And what's the hardest one? And the hardest thing I'll always do like first in the morning, because that's when I believe most people are most efficient is when your mind is fresh and clear. I think that's super important tackling what's the most difficult challenge first and getting that out of the way. I'm actually working on a website right now and you know I had this chart on the website that was very difficult to work with. It was nice looking but the way it was coded was pretty tough so I would had a lot of trouble lining it up and changing the colors and that was on a to-do list of many things but I knew if I was able to get that squared away A, I would have felt a sense of completion and then the rest of the tasks which were relatively easier would flow better after I tackled the hardest yeah. task. And I just felt great after I tackled it because I knew I could arrive at the solution. It might take me there a little bit, but once I got out of the way, everything else after that felt like it was easier than it was before because I had accomplished the hardest thing. So I think that's a really major lesson there. Yeah. And I think it also helps eliminate or slow down procrastination. Yeah. Because if you force yourself and get into the habit mm -hmm. of doing the first thing that's most difficult, then you won't wait till late in the evening or early afternoon or late afternoon. Then you have more excuses to not get it done. So. Yeah. So one thing that we both do, we're morning people. We're both early risers. I more recently made that a habit and it's a matter of training your body to fall asleep earlier too. And I, I heard a great expression from Ben Bergeron, who's a... CrossFit Games coach, and I've been listening to his podcast a lot, but he said, if you win the morning, you win the day. And that's just been my mantra for a while, because it's true. Absolutely. If you if you do set the tone, prioritize, get things done. Like you said, by 738, you've already accomplished a lot, whether that's working out or some work or whatever it is, you have that momentum heading into the day early. Tell us a little about, about your morning routine. Yeah, definitely. So it's interesting. I was actually always a night person. So I used to go to bed like 12, 1, 2 o'clock and late to wake up late. But what I found is getting into a consistent sort of sleep schedule where I'm trying to get between six to eight hours of sleep and then getting up at like five in the morning or a little bit before five and then start really, I know I mentioned this before, like meditating and then going to the gym, starting on the hardest tasks first, having breakfast 
by the time it's 7.30, 8.30, I've done a lot more and got a lot done than most people have. And then I feel like that kind of sets the tone for, for most of the day. You know, it's interesting you talk about sleep because there's always this illusion or portrait of an entrepreneur who doesn't sleep much is, is, is uh, you know, working constantly, pulling all-nighters. You know, I've tried things like that. To me, it's not sustainable because sleep has so much to do with your recovery, uh, both physically and your cognitive function. But if I get enough sleep and value sleep, it helps me with my overall efficiency, which I find is tough sometimes when you're running on low tank, right? Oh, yeah. So I, I think that's that's tough. Everyone has to set their own pace and what works for one person may not work for the other, but I, I really have um, kind of followed your example with, with the with the rising early. Uh, it just, you know, back to what Ben said, it, if you win the morning, you win the day. And, and you, if, with that mindset, you know, you just feel like you're really strong. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you. I mean, that is huge. And I think... Um, or even better, I heard someone say, uh, you want to wake up before your enemies do, which I kind of yeah, like too. I, I like know. that too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like this sort of aggressive mentality it takes also to be an entrepreneur. You got to you gotta want to crush the competition because it's not an evil thing. It's a mentality of being sharp and being competitive, quite frankly. There's no way around it. You have to be ultra competitive. Yeah. And it's survival of the fittest and yeah. it's a marathon, not yeah. a sprint. So, and we all have limited amount of energy. And so sleep, I believe is very important being, having a routine and that helps a lot, not just the sleep routine, but routine with your work schedule. I think also working smarter. Yeah. A lot of people just think, oh, if I work hard, yeah. you'll be successful. But that's not true. You have to always kind of adjust and prioritize and figure out what's the most important thing that will lead you to sales. I mean, honestly, like I'm getting inundated all the time with opportunities, but we have to closely analyze the ones which we think will be the most successful and that we're interested in exploring. Yeah. So. I mean, that's an important distinction, being able to prioritize what is important versus what something is just simply urgent, what's really going to move the needle. You look back after the, you've assessed your week, what have you accomplished? Sometimes you'll get emails that you know, they seem urgent, but they're not as important as far as moving the needle and getting stuff done. So it's, it's easy to succumb to the client or business associate who's constantly in your face, but really it's up to you to step back and deliver and perhaps it's the highest paying client or your favorite client, whatever reason, but making sure that you're delivering what you need to to your most important constituents, right? So I think that's really important. Definitely. And I think it's important as well too, like looking at your client base and potentially as well having to fire clients that you're not getting paid that much that are taking a lot of your time or very needy and uh, even also not paying on time as right. well is not a good thing because then you're not able to help your bigger clients, which you could add more value to them and help them become more successful, which will then in turn, you know, you'll obviously receive more money from them. One of the things that's tough is prioritizing, like you said, and carving out and just getting things done. What are some ways that you can eliminate or minimize distractions? What are, do you have some tips for that? Sure. So, you know, it's interesting. I get inundated by phone calls and emails throughout the day. One of the reasons why I like getting up early is before nine o'clock, I usually don't get interrupted. 
Uh, But once it becomes nine o'clock, there's a lot of things that just start happening. But what I try to do is try to do as well, like block off my mornings Mm -hmm. to do the deepest work. Now, yes, there will be meetings or calls that come up, but I'll always try to hopefully schedule them like mid to late afternoon, you know, when your your mind is not, it's tired. And that deep work that you would have tried to do earlier in the day probably takes two or three times more time. And then I don't actually, I actually regiment to not always be replying to emails, setting set times where I focus on emails, prioritizing to what emails that I'll respond to. We won't pick up phone calls if we're not recognizing who the person is. Right. And if it's not someone that's a client or a potential client, we're usually not going to be picking up the phone because then you're allowing other people to kind of control your day. And, you know, we're, we're extremely busy and have a lot going on. So yeah. we'll respond when it's the appropriate time. Yeah, I mean, I what's interesting, I think social media is hard to deal with because I do have to be aware of certain things through social media, especially Instagram. I, I deal with a lot of health and fitness clients, so I don't want to block it out completely, but what I've done is really limited my time there because it's a lot of brainlessness, which I, which <laughs> yes. I, which I don't like to fill myself up with. But uh, it's it's a matter of, what you said, setting aside time for certain things. But it's funny, social media does, it's a double-edged sword, right? I, I do need it to help promote myself and my business and be aware. And that's how a lot of information about my industry gets circulated. And I do work and help clients with their social media marketing. So I can't ignore it, but yet it can be a complete waste of time. It definitely can. I mean, I think you have to set limits and I try to as well. It could be yeah. addictive as well, honestly. Yeah. Well, I think this wraps up another great episode of the Solar Maverick. This is such a great, ripe discussion that I think we'll continue this in another episode coming up. But thank you for listening. And Benoit, again, remind people how they can reach out to you and connect with you. Sure. So my company is RenewEnergy.com, R-E-N-E-U Energy. You could also email us at info at RenewEnergy. And you could find me on LinkedIn. It's Benoit Thangin. Lee, how can the Mavericks find you and, and your great services? MJWangMedia.com. <laughs> and lately, I've really been wanting to help people work on their brand. And that sounds like it's very general, but I feel like that's the foundation. And that's what separates one business from another is who you are, why you're in business, and why you're important, why you matter. So please visit my website, contact me there, schedule some time to talk with me. Cool. Well, we look forward to another exciting show. Thank you, Lee, as always. Great job. And we look forward to speaking to you guys real soon. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening. If this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes and Stitcher Radio and leave us a five-star review. That helps us build this community, and that's what we're all about right now, building this community as big as we can to deliver as much value as we can. 